Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I want to direct your attention tonight to the book of Jude. There's only one chapter, so when I say chapter one, that's all there is. But we're going to the book of Jude, and we're going to walk through this just for a little bit in some of the passages. But I want to mainly focus on verse 22 and 23 to get our launch. Verse 22 and 23 of Jude. And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I just want to use those three words in that first verse. Making a difference. Making a difference. I want to make a difference in 21. How about you? I want to make a difference. Our Heavenly Father, most precious God, we love you and we thank you, God, for this opportunity tonight. Bless, Lord, our 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 efforts, God, but anoint, Lord, the word to our hearts. Let it speak to someone specifically, both here and online, Lord Jesus, on the podcast. Father, you be lifted up in the mighty name of Jesus. Let everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Making a difference. We don't have to... Uh, go into much detail to realize our cultures is in crazy mode. You don't have to go any further than the first prayer of Congress. If anybody heard that, a man and a woman. First of all, that's not even grammatically correct, much less biblically correct. Mm, man, we've stepped into some deep, deep miry clay or, or, or something else. <sighs> But wherever there is a crisis of culture, there's need for difference makers to rise up. Wherever craziness chokes out the life of a society, there's a need for difference makers to show up. We have said that really the ones that matter are preachers or evangelists or things of that nature. No, every one of God's children is destined and designed to be a difference maker where you live, where you work, in your home. It is going to take a sovereign move of God to change where we're living today and what is happening. It's going to take a sovereign move of God. This is not the first time culture's gone crazy. It's not the first time that people have gone so radically deep into into the, uh, the mire. It's not the first time. Wherever there has been these seasons in culture 
we find that God finds somebody that will rise up and bring a difference to a world in the form of revivals. Revivals. A revival will awaken a sleeping church. A revival will, will send out an overflow of God's spirit to the lost and dying world. Amen. A sovereign move of God is what pushes the gates of hell back. It's what pushes the gates of hell back. Revival ignites a passion in God's people for the lost, for the backslider. Compassion for their souls that they may be reached. Thomas Addison put it this way. No means on earth can soften the heart, whether you anoint it with the supple bombs or thunder against it in bolts of menacing threat or beat it with the hammer of mortal blows. Behold, God showers his rain from heaven and it is suddenly softened. One sermon may prick the heart. One drop of the Savior's blood distilled on it by the Spirit in the preaching of the word can melt it like wax. The drunkard may be sobered, the adulterer chase. Zacharias, merciful, and raging Paul becomes a tame lamb, unquote. All God needs is one, one that can turn the tide of darkness. Yes, he has an army, and we lift up the name of Jesus and the army goes forth. But when you begin to study revivals and awakenings, a lot of times it came with one man obeying God, one lady obeying God, one child even obeying God. There was a time and a season when Israel had strayed so far from God that God called them a bloody city full of abominations. It's found in Ezekiel 22 if you want to read sometime and study it. I'm reading from the ESV. I don't have this for our media team, but let me just read it to you out of the ESV. Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained upon in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They, are, they have devoured human lives. They have taken treasures and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law, have done violence to my law, and have profaned my holy things. Let me just stop here and say today, there is no greater harm that does the word of God or does a church or a people than somebody that calls themselves a priest who preaches false doctrine, who lives an immoral life, who lives outside of the word of God. They do more damage. My dad used to say, there's no telling how many little trees are destroyed when a big tree falls. He said, they disregarded my Sabbaths. So I am profane among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining things of them. He said, thus saith the Lord God when the Lord has not spoken. They said, thus saith the Lord when the Lord had not spoken. The people of the land have practiced 
and extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy. They have extorted from the sojourner and the justice. This is the condition of that situation of Israel. It's bleak. It's horrible. I can't paint it bad enough in your mind. But what did God say? And I sought for a man among them, not a committee, not even a church, not a group, not a team, one man. What's going to turn the tide for Israel that was shedding innocent blood, that was destroying widows and destroying lives? What's going to turn it around? One man, one man, one person, one woman, a man, even a child can turn the tide. I believe today we can either sit by idly and twiddle our thumbs and say, woe is us for the generation we live in. And the spirit of the age that is getting a hold of folks like cancer or we can say Lord let me be that one Lord let me be that one I don't care how you use me but use me I don't care how that I'm able to help but Lord let me help one person can turn the tide of wickedness one person Years ago, Queen of England said these words when they asked, who's the person you most fear? And uh, I cannot remember that person's name right now. It's gone in the back of my 59-year-old brain somewhere, and I can't get it out. But she named a preacher. A preacher. I fear a preacher. More than the kings that she was dealing with. More than the nations around the world. I fear this preacher. Amen. Why? Because that man had prayed and turned his world upside down. I believe today that we need to understand that it doesn't necessarily take a whole group of people. It takes one person to turn the tide of wickedness in a home, in a town, in a community, in a county. God's looking for difference makers even if he looks for one. For wherever there is a crisis, wherever there is a trial, there's an opportunity for revival, for victory. When problems abound, when souls are lost, God looks for someone to rise up and say, I will be a difference maker. When there is a hard-headed, idol-worshiping, battle-tested giant spewing out threats, and perverted threats to God's people. God will send a snotty-nosed, pimple-faced teenager to crack his skull, amen, with a stone and cut his head off with his own sword. Amen. I want to tell you today, it's not always in the masses. It's in somebody saying, I will be a difference maker. I'm calling to you tonight. Those of you that are here, those of you watching online, can you stand before God and say, I'll be that one? I'll make a difference in my home, in my church, in my community. I'll be that one. Somebody say amen. There's a host of Midians, Midianites, who have plundered and imprisoned the children of Israel. God will raise up a Gideon with 300 men to break some pottery, wave some torches, and blow some trumpets. And win the victory. 
unconventional ways because God is in it. God is looking for a difference maker that'll pray like Daniel three times a day and when told not to for just one month, he will say, I can't do that. Amen. I can't do that. Who among us today, amen, will say, I'll do what is necessary. I'll strive where I've got to strive. I'll work where I have to work. I'll sacrifice where I have to sacrifice to be that one that will be a difference maker. The word of God is abundantly clear. If God's people are bound, he can set them free. But he's going to send somebody with a message. He's going to send somebody with an answer. When we are hurt, amen, he can bring us healing. But normally it comes to the voice of someone else. Amen. As I prepared this message today and as I was studying, my mind went back to a conversation just yesterday I had with Brother LeBannon where, where they went hunting. They, there was a man that uh, the pastor of the church they went to told a story, and my dad's name came up as, as a person of influence for his pastor. But the words that he said to this pastor's pastor was this. He said, you're living below where you ought to be living. He called him up and told him this. You're living below where you ought to be living. God has so much for you. And I don't remember verbatim what it was. But Brother LeBannon, that word was for me. That word was for me. Amen. From the grave, my dad's speaking to me. And he's telling me, listen here, boy, you need to, you need to take it to a new level. You need to go. To, you want what God has for you? Then you've got to say, I will do whatever it takes to strive to be the one that will be a difference maker. That will challenge the status quo that'll challenge the staunch Pentecostal traditions that stifle the movement because we think we know how it ought to be done where there's a need where there's a problem where there's trouble God looks for someone to step up John Wesley did not have as as I understand me did not, I don't know what all he believed, but he taught his followers the need for a holy lifestyle. John Wesley is credited for being the holiness movement starter and later on the Methodist church that was formed today. If he could come back alive and see what it is, I'm telling you, he would be, he would be so sad, I'm sure. The resulting Christ-likeness that it nurtured in their lives spilled over into society catalyzing our uh, catalyzing all kinds of social transformation wesley's life and work ultimately led to the abolishment of slave trade in england education reform in england prison reform throughout the british empire and the development of new regulations to protect child labors. All these social issues and ills were changed, not by a political act or law, but by revival. You know what's going to be the healing for racism in America? It's not going to be a movement of, of, of politics or, or a movement of fascism, amen, or socialism. It's going to be a revival of God's righteousness and holiness that says this is how you ought to live with one another. This is how you're to get along, amen, while our nation is dividing left and right on so many terms. God, raise up somebody that says I'll dare to pray big. I'll dare to pray big. I don't care if they never know my name. It doesn't matter if anybody sees me. But I'm tired of being sidelined. Call me in, Lord. 
call me in. What Jude was dealing with, he began talking about being a difference maker and what it took. Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Difference makers understand where the real fight is. The real fight is not in the physical, but rather in the spiritual. The spiritual battle lines have been drawn. The war has been in full action. It's not against flesh and blood, but spirits we battle. The enemy is intended upon killing, stealing, and destroying. It must be the church and the child of God that rises up and falls on their face and says, I will pay the cost. I will pay the cost. Jude lived in a time when Christianity was under severe political and cultural attack from Rome. False doctrine also in spiritual apostates began to infiltrate the church. Jude lived to see the apostles martyred except the apostle John. It was a time when the church was in intense battle for the faith. Earnestly contend. Earnestly contend. Not with each other. Not with other ideas and movements. But earnestly contend for the faith. The word in the Greek here is an interesting word that comes. It's broken up with a prefix that is connected to the word. I'm dare, I'm dare not going to try to even pronounce this word. Uh, it's E-P-A-G-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Have at it. It's with a prefix called E-P-I. And then another word with a long lot of different stuff. But it means when used with the prefix, it is an intensifier Conveying the meaning of a little additional striving to the already strong. So what he says when you must earnestly, earnestly, he's saying, put just a little bit more with it. You're fighting for the faith. Put just a little bit more with it. You're reading and praying. Put, put, put just a little bit more with it. Hallelujah. Amen. But just, just put a little bit more with it. Earnestly contend for the faith. Hallelujah. The word group gives us the English word agony, suggesting pain and intense uh, passion. It describes Jude's internal turmoil of hearing the apostates as they began to preach false doctrine. He said earnestly contend for the faith. Somebody say the faith. That is the sum total of the teachings of the early church. Everything they taught in the apostles' doctrine is something that is known as the faith. Not an We're not apostolic in denomination. We are apostolic in doctrine. In that whatever the doctrine was preached by the early church in the book of Acts and through the epistles, even into Revelation, it ought to be something that we say I'm going to hold on to I am going to fight for I don't care what, what Mr. Professor says I don't care what Dr. So and so says or what some kind of uh, crazy uh, false teacher says I'm going to hold on to it yes, sir. this is how you make a difference 
you don't follow every wind of doctrine that comes along. It blows. The wind blows. And, and I, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but some other person on Facebook in another place and location other than right here made an argument that you're not supposed to do this because it's under the law. And a few weeks later, I'll specifically say what it was. You don't tithe because it's under the law. And a few weeks, months later, he said, you should not eat pork because it is under the law. Let that sink in. Vroom, vroom carried about by every wind of doctrine. Get it in your spirit what the word says. Get it in your spirit what the word is teaching us. Hallelujah. Look at verse 4 of Jude. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness or lust and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is vital that we understand that there is a grace that cannot be the kind of grace that is greasy or the kind of grace that is just uh, do what you want to, grace will cover it. Act how you want to, grace will cover it. No, but they have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. There are those today that have a form of doctrine called hyper grace. Amen. I'm telling you, there is a grace that covers all. There is a favor that covers all. And I don't merit it and I don't deserve it. But it's not a license to sin, as Paul said. It is not a license to sin. Jude says, these folks are creeps. You can quote me on that. These folks are creeps. <laughs> they creep in unaware. They creep in unaware. Denying the Lord God and the only Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 1. 2 Peter 2 and 1. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says, but there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Watch out for these Come in. Come in. Jude depicts these false teachers as being slippery and sneaky, secret, as if they come in by the side door, going into and alongside of and acting like that they are just with everybody else. Amen. But they're sneaky. They're bogus, bogus believers. They're cloaked in a counterfeit faith and a counterfeit Papaya, uh, pious thinking. They creeped in like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up on the inside. I'm going to be the Trojan horse that brings it down. Amen. Paul wrote about this when he said in 1 Timothy 4, 
and verse number one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Pastor, you got off on false teachers and you got off on all this. I'm just going by Jude's blueprint, okay? He's dealing with all this before he ever gets to being a difference maker. Amen. How we're going to be a difference maker? By knowing the truth and not being deceived by the false. By knowing a true revival and not being deceived by a false revival. Knowing the true move of God and not being deceived by something that is ungodly. Then he jumps to verse 5 and shows us how you can spot an apostate. How do you spot apostate? Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. And the angels kept not their first estate, but left their own inhabitation, have reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner give themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh and set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. How can you spot apostate? Jude says, watch their fruit. Watch what happens to them. Watch where it goes. One of the saddest stories of somebody that began their walk as an apostolic is the, is the man that, that uh, uh, did the, the multiple murder or the uh, suicide of his believers down in, in Central uh, America where, where he, he just killed them. He began as a Jesus name, apostolic believer, Jim Jones. When he did that, uh, amen, he just continued farther and farther away into great false doctrine. When you look at something, judge it by what it is doing when it produces fruit. Look at its fruit. Look at where it's going. Where are the angels? They're under God's judgment. Where are the Egyptians that are the Israelites that came out of Egypt that didn't believe? They're buried in the wilderness. Amen. Sodom and Gomorrah is no more. Then he denounces false teacher in verse 8. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. What is, you know, Michael's a bad angel, y'all. You don't want to mess with the warring angel, Michael. Gabriel is in a proclamation and they used to all be together and Lucifer was a part of that. But Michael is a warring angel and yet he understood the value of authority and he said, I'm not going to say anything to you, but the Lord rebuke you. Why? He is telling them those that despise dominion and speak evil of dignities is so far out of order. Michael said, I want to show you the example by the fact that I will not even bring a railing accusation against the devil, but I know how to handle it. <laughs> I know how to take care of him. I'm appealing to the one that has all authority. The Lord rebuke you. 
The Lord rebuke you. Hallelujah, the Lord rebuke you. These false teachers cast off restraints. They proclaimed they were no longer under the law. Jude calls them dreamers. Dreamers. Dreamers who give an idea of a vision that says we're going to rely on our dreams and not the word of God. Hallelujah, today we need to understand that there is such false teaching permeating our land. That's why the guy got up the other day and prayed and ended it by saying amen and I'll woman and prayed to a God of all kinds. Amen. Why? Because we have left we've got those that have left truth teaching. This world it needs truth preaching and that's what will turn it around. Amen. Despising dominion rejecting authority. Then we come to our text that we launched with. Jude 1 22. He's talking about defending the faith, dealing with false teachers, and then he says, here's how you handle them and what you do. And some have compassion, making difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Different battles require different approaches. Different people require different approaches. There is not a cookie-cutter difference-making way of doing it. That's why God wants to use all of us. It's because we all have unique gifts and talents and way of talking to people. Amen. There's some among us that are as blunt as can be. Thank God for that. We need some blunt folks. And we got some that are sweet-talking, nice, wonderful, can be flowery with words and make you go away, you know, thinking, they just beat me up. But I needed that. Not everybody has to be the exact same, but he's talking about a difference here, a difference. And I want to show you the uniqueness of this verse. When we talk about being a difference maker, it's more than just simply I've done something to be a difference. Difference makers see an opportunity and then size up that opportunity and say, what's going to be the best way to go after this and then Decide and move forward. Seize the moment, seize that opportunity, and go forward. There are two different approaches here to restoration and revival in this verse. Number one is kind, calculated compassion. Those that are away from God, those that are backslidden, those that are prodigals, those that are in false doctrine, those that don't even know the Lord, some of them must be reached with kind, compassionate calculated, compassionate movement. The second, though, that I see in this verse is bold, aggressive action. He said, and, and of some have compassion, making a difference, distinguishing between the others, saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted in the flesh. Some need a hand out. Others need a hand on their face. Make the difference. Know who to slap. Okay, that's just, that's an analogy now. You're not going to be like that one guy in Bible college years ago that they went out street witnessing and he was from a gang and, and, and in this gang he come to know the Lord and so he went out for the first time to go street witnessing in San Antonio and he brought a knife with him and he pulled this knife out and this blade and he stuck it towards this guy's belly and he said, if I cut you open right now, would you go to heaven or hell? 
They pulled him aside and said, well, wait a second. You need to know the way to be a difference maker. <laughs> That's not exactly the way. Although there are some, I think that it was going to make, take that. If you, if you understand in your heart, let God use you with both compassion and aggressive action. Amen. Have mercy on have pity on have compassion for that's what that word means paul spoke about dealing with the israelites when he said in romans 11 and 14 if by any means i may provoke to emulation he said i want to do whatever i can so that my fellow israelite brothers will be moved to follow christ and to go after Christ. Whatever I can do, I want to do that. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 11. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing the, that God has judgment, we need to be persuasive. Somebody say persuasive. Know how to be kind when kindness is needed. Amen. And know how to be strong when strength is needed. That comes from the Lord. That comes from the Lord. Difference makers don't treat every non-believer the same. But they go after them in the very best way they possibly can. You're familiar with this passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men... Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Then he says, to them that are without the law, the Gentiles, as without the law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law. To the weak. Became I as weak. Well, if you were a good person, you'd drive a better car. Now, will you come to me at church? To the poor on their level. To the rich on their level. Amen. Not joining their lifestyle or their sin to do it. I'm not going to pick up a Budweiser to try to give them the wisdom of the ages. You understand? But it doesn't mean I have to tell them for them to put down theirs. Somebody say amen. amen. He says, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by how many means? All means. Save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Here's where we are. If I could bring this into focus. We're living in a day where it had already been less effective, but today, door knocking is not a really effective method. Nobody wants to open doors, somebody stand there with a mask. We're living in a day where we're just not able to do some of the things that perhaps we did years ago. So, what is it going to take? Wisdom. To know how to make a difference. So will you pray with me in 2021 that we become difference makers in a way that is effective. Whether it's online, whether it's on social media, or whether it's at work, whatever the case may be. Let us be difference makers and understand 
when to offer a hand and when to be firm. Difference makers take risk. Amen. Difference makers search and find the favor of God. Hallelujah. They don't put God in a box and say this is the only way you can work. But yet they see their identity in Christ. And therefore they see that they're important and significant and valued and have a purpose. I talked with Brother Pork just a few days ago about this. He said, I guess... I'm still here because God has something for me. I told him, you're exactly right. If you're still alive, there's a reason you're here. There's a reason you're here. If you're breathing, there's a reason you're here. It doesn't matter what your age is. Amen. We have gotten the idea that teens can't do it and old folks can't do it. Be lonely. Somebody say, be lonely. Fried be lonely. It's just not true. God calls us to be difference makers regardless of our age. Bold in the spirit. Faithful in prayer. Consistent in doctrine. Holy in conduct. Passionate about reaching the lost. God wants MPC to be a difference making church. Reaching those from whatever generation. Whatever lifestyle. Whatever side of the track. Whatever amount of money they have or don't have. Amen. Difference maker. Stand with me please. I hope I got to you tonight. I hope that, that something I said inspired you, convicted you, made you feel another level is needed. Right? If, if, if it did, why don't you just step out and come stand up front here and begin to pray. Why don't we come and pray and say, Oh God, give us wisdom. Lord, give us direction. Let our methods be, Lord Jesus, in line, Lord, with what it takes to reach them. Lord, not turning aside, uh, not turning away from truth, not turning away from holiness, but, Lord God, being very intentive about reaching the lost, doing what it takes socially. God, let us do it, Lord, in reaching our community some way, somehow. Lord, revival comes when a difference maker says, I'll be the one. I'll stand in the gap. Lord Jesus, I'll do some things. I'll write letters. I'll make phone calls. I'll encourage. I'll pray. I will do whatever I can. I'm not looking for a position. I already have one. I'm a child of God sent on the mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.